This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions. Today, between your calls, we'll talk about tips for controlling your holiday spending. You can send an email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. A lot of times we don't have an opportunity to get to your email during the show, but we'll always send you a personal response to whatever your email personal finance question is. And as always, we'd like to start the show with uh, talking about financial news in the news. So, Nancy, we'll let you go first. Oh, my goodness. I've been cooking all week. So it's getting ready for Thanksgiving and all those things and uh, noticing my grocery bill and um, – what we've seen is that it looks like the groceries are a little less than last year's Thanksgiving. But, of course, we talked last week. Probably that's because turkeys are costing less. They're feeling better these days, and there are more of them. Uh, one main thing I have been looking at, though, Kevin, is there's been a change in the student debt issue. And uh, we have certainly talked on this show about bankruptcy a lot. And when we do, we say most of the time student debt can not be discharged in bankruptcy. There's been a policy change. And so it is possible under certain conditions, you have to show undue hardship, that that can be discharged in bankruptcy. But be careful. Bankruptcy comes with a wrecking of your credit record and your credit score. It means you're going to have at least seven years will be very difficult for you to get any kind of credit. So if you think you're in that position, and it is student debt, that's really the the cause of you being weighed down, I would say you need to consult with a bankruptcy attorney. By the way, you know, uh, food waste is an, is an issue. And so I do my part in Thanksgiving by actually bringing some uh, Tupperware containers. Oh, you uh, sacrifice. You sacrifice. Say, oh, family, give me all the leftovers. Really uh, helping out the, uh, the economy there, maintaining the strong consumer. So my sister-in-law does a very good job, and so uh, always lots of, uh, lots of stuff to bring home, and it really probably feeds me for the rest of the weekend. So I'm certainly thankful for that. All right, Ryder, what about you? What's on your mind today? Yeah, so uh, maybe it will provide some relief for those uh, buying their all of the Thanksgiving dinner. Nancy, if you just sell some of your stocks. Sell some of the stocks, yeah. up. Uh, about I mean, roughly 10% in the last month, uh, which is pretty wild. And that does come after a bit of a decline. So we're kind of at the highs we had for the year uh, at the beginning of August, end of July, beginning of August, um, not quite to the highs that we were at it in 2021, which again, 22, really rough year. This year so far, we've recovered a lot of that. Um, so a couple of things. This really is right around the Federal Reserve meeting when they decided to hold rates steady. They held rates steady because we had super mild inflation. I think the core inflation is still a little bit 
elevated. But when people see, one, things are getting more comfortable in the economy, great, fantastic. Everyone's feeling a little better about that uh, because inflation has been one of the most painful things in the economy. So people are feeling better about that. Uh, And also, when they see the Fed holding rates steady, they're thinking, okay, maybe we're normalizing here. Maybe rates will come back down a little sooner than we thought. So in, in that kind of medium term, when we're thinking about, you know, months to a couple of years, the interest rates are the interest rates are the price of money, Nancy will say all the time. Um, and 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 stocks are a type of money. And so in that medium term, you do see them being priced by interest rate expectations. So that's what's going on in the market right now. It's been really nice. We'd love to see that hold through the Well end of the and year. what we've been talking about is how will this affect uh, people's feelings and how they spend money over the Christmas mm-hmm. season because it's already ramping up. We've got Black Friday coming up. We've got you know the the online Monday. Um, when we look at our cyber, cyber Monday, Cyber Monday. Thank you. My brain left. <laughs> the, the buy stuff on the internet day. Buy stuff on the internet. So when we look at our four hundred one k balances, mm-hmm. when we look at our uh, portfolio balances, if they're up, do we feel better? Do we spend more? Do those folks in my generation are are we more willing to write those checks to our grown children at <laughs> Christmas and spread that wealth around? We're waiting to see what happens. I wouldn't be curious to see what the sales figures are or whatever. Black Friday to me is being way watered down. And I think part of You're it is right. backlash to that, you know, they workers don't want to have to work on that day after Thanksgiving, which makes sense. But I know what well, Amazon in particular has sent me a thing every day this mm-hmm. week. It's like, oh, Black Friday sale. And, you know, I think at the outlet mall when I was there the other day, it was similar. So it's like it's being stretched into this long thing, but again, being watered down. So I'm curious to see if, if they'll have any effect on, on spending. And Kevin, I, I keep reading about a pullback in consumer spending. I'm not sure if it's really significant. As I look around me, it still feels like there's a little bit of a spending frenzy going on. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. We're waiting to see what will happen. We will see what happens as the year progresses, as we move into the uh, lot of a consumer spending season in the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, season. So you're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB public media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're here to answer your personal finance questions this morning. While we wait for phone calls, though, we're also going to offer up some tips for controlling holiday spending. So during the break, we had a call and someone asked a good question that I didn't know the answer to, but you both did. Why is it called Black Friday? Uh, yes. So the term comes from the stores, the business accounting side where you uh, view negative numbers or a loss is written in red and then positive numbers or a gain or profit is in black. So historically, uh, or, you know, according to the lore, um, that is the point in the year when a store moves from the red to the black. Um, one, it being later in the year. So they're, you know, finally getting a lot of their sales in and two, it just being such a big shopping day. That's really how they create that momentum for the end of the year moving into the black. And we don't know if it 
really does hold. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully you're making profits earlier yeah. than that. But that's just been part of tradition. But it also tells you how important in this country the Christmas shopping mm-hmm. season is to those retailers. I think nowadays with inventory management and stores don't just buy a whole year's worth of inventory at one time, it's probably not as much of an issue. But you know, inventory management, that's a that's a kind of new science out there for a lot of businesses, I think speaking decades. But uh, so it's probably more true then, but still, it's still a lot of momentum, still very important for a lot of businesses sales. So I'm trying to think back how how long has Black Friday been referred to as Black Friday? I'm trying to oh, remember. Oh, that's a great question. To, oh, you know, at my house, we say you never have to wonder because you have the Googles. That's true. So we'll ask. We'll find out. We'll, we'll ask the Googles. Ask the Googles. Oh, and also, I guess, too, it's that same sort of marketing idea, whereas if you can get someone in your store for a particular reason, this time the great sale of, you know, something that's way up reduced that they're going to eventually buy something else while they're in well, there? Well, that's the idea of putting then merchandise on end caps or putting them in the line at the cash register so that while you're standing there waiting to check out, oh, my goodness, here's some other things that I need to get and I'll put in my buggy. Um, so just the things that we don't think about, that's also behind uh, putting milk at the very back of the store because you're going to wander all the way to the back to get what you definitely need. And you're going to pick up several things on the way. And uh, so that's part of that marketing plan that any retailer will use. But what's interesting to me, Kevin, is that a lot of retailers are going to a different model because we're increasing the amount of shopping that we do online. So some stores that you go into, you have very few items on the shelf that keep very few things in inventory and and you just have things you can look at and so now they have an online presence and you can go home and or and I've done this myself I found the size I wanted but the color was not correct so now I just go home and order the color well I remember I was looking for a video game as a gift uh, I think last Christmas or maybe the year before and went to the store and they had the the box of the game on the shelf so I took it up to the cash register and the guys like well no we don't have that you have to buy this online and I'm just like yeah okay yeah thank you if you'd have told me that it might have saved me a trip out here but I guess so that's uh, you know so so Ryder do you have the answer have you found as it? far as when it started okay so we were just talking about conspiracy theories offline <laughs> and it's it's You never know how much you're going to believe on the Internet. But apparently the the story about moving from red to black is kind of a rebranding by national realtors because it started off, they said, as um, the real history behind Black Friday. And this is from History.com. Who knows if that's a trustworthy resource. But I thought you told me that if it's on the Internet, it's true. (laughs) No, I definitely did not. Well, I may have, but definitely in You do that with a wink and a nod. (laughs) So so this was saying in the 1950s in Philadelphia, there would be – it was the big Army-Navy game. So there would be all the shoppers post-Thanksgiving. So it seems to have been a shopping holiday for a long time. Uh, But also people converging for the Army-Navy game, which, of course, I know a lot of people can relate to as well. And so – 
So police referred to it as Black Friday because they weren't allowed to take the day off. They they couldn't spend that time with their family or they couldn't participate in any of the fun activities going on. So they were just a bit bummed about that. And uh, it was not able, you know, nobody successfully rebranded it. So they just decided if we're going to call it Black Friday, we're going to talk about accounting. And and what doesn't oh, thrill wow. people's yeah. hearts <laughs> and get them ready for the holidays more than than a good now, accounting Now, you know, there story. are a lot of CPAs out there who would disagree with you about that that sarcasm, you know. I, we, who said I was being sarcastic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely CPA's favorite time of the year because they're not they're not to under a deadline. <laughs> yeah, so it is truly truly a holiday for them too. So I'm just kind of trying to remember from personal experience. Although the older I get, the brain becomes much foggier. I want to say maybe the 80s is when it really started to be a whole, you know, the crowds in the mall and that kind of thing. So that would be kind of my – because I'm trying to think – you know, I went to high school in the seventies. I don't really remember it being that big of a deal then. Although, again, but but were we paying attention to those things back then? I don't know that we were. Well, I mean, yeah, I, that's probably true. I think it probably was a thing, and it just got more and more. And you know, the I guess my thing I remember is one year there was a thing of in a big box store, Walmart or wherever, and people were like fighting over a ten pack of uh, washcloths or something, and I'm like. You want to fight for the Cabbage Patch doll, that's one thing. But some of this other stuff was, to me, well, kind of silly. Well, part of it is... But is, how much were the washcloths, Kevin? Like a dollar, I think. And, and how... <laughs> Ten how, cents a piece, maybe. How desperately did those two <laughs> tussling shoppers need a good bath? Well, actually, afterwards, they probably did. The kid probably yeah. got all sweaty and grimy, yeah, you know, yeah. probably fell mm-hmm. down on the floor, so... Yeah. yeah, but that's just part of the, the, the game of it and uh, creating that excitement around it and pushing people, you know, you've got to get here before this sale ends mm-hmm. and there's a special markdown, um, so that encourages people to jump in. Well, that's a good point, and sometimes it is those basic items real basic stuff that is just an absurd deal. And so you see that and you think, gosh, I'm going to buy a 10-pack of socks anyway. And why not spend 76 cents on them today? Right. So, And I do remember now that it seems like Cabbage Patch was quite the craze back in the day. Right. And so that probably – and so if we can now then trace back – so that would have been – what the eighties again? I guess I don't know. Uh, we're gonna have to have someone with a no, more reliable memory than me. Let's date ourselves too much, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we take our next break, and then we'll get back to some serious stuff here. Uh, your favorite item on the Thanksgiving table, Nancy? Oh, it's dressing, uh, and I'm talking cornbread dressing. Mm-hmm. And I will say. I made ours this weekend, so it is in the freezer. It's all ready to go. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that's my favorite thing. All right. Uh, that's good. That That's mm, a good one because yeah. you can make a nice, rich dressing. But I'm going to go with a little bit of everything. Yeah, I like all the flavors coming together, um, except like you can leave the salad out because so that do doesn't you, blend well. But uh, everything's like the same consistency. You know, it's cranberries. Just, do you do cranberries? Well. Yes, I do cranberries. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I was just uh, we were just talking. My uh, my siblings are arriving in town. My sister brought over a bag of cranberries because they had been been doing some shopping. They brought over the turkey, stuck it in my fridge. They brought over the largest bag of cranberries I have ever seen. I swear, they just went to a cranberry bog and just harvested, but just, just a huge sack of them. It's like a two or three pound. I don't know. I, I've got to make the cranberry sauce. That's a lot of cranberry it's a lot sauce. Of cranberries. It's a lot of cranberries. Uh, Abram is in the control room for us this morning. Abram, what's your favorite thing on the Thanksgiving table? 
I'm gonna go with uh, some some mashed potatoes. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. What what do you what what's your favorite topping on your mashed potatoes? What do you like to get into? With or without gravy. I, you know, I'll go without the gravy. If if it's okay. loaded mashed potatoes, you got some cheese and bacon and stuff in it. That's it. that's my go-to every time. I All like right. it because you can just make anything decadent. This you just add a lot of cheese, add a lot of butter, add a lot of whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And so it's p- just people like, don't hate you for it when they see it on your plate. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, Kevin, what's yours? Uh, I, I I'm going to cheat and take two. I like dressing. Also, I took every, I've literally said everything <laughs> but the salad, Kevin. So. <laughs> And uh, my sister-in-law put some andouille sausage into her dressing, which is really, really good. And then she has some killer homemade macaroni and cheese. Oh, that's also a great one. Oh, no, another macaron. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're ready for your personal finance questions this morning. Also today, we're going to hopefully share some tips about ways that you can control your holiday spending. Email the show by sending it to money at mpbonline.org. And a reminder, usually we will get back to you with a personal response to an email. Uh, Question is, we usually don't have time to get to them uh, on the air. So one thing before we wrap up our Thanksgiving uh, conversation, we didn't even get to the desserts because that's uh, that could Uh, uh, whole nother. uh, Because my sister-in-law also makes homemade pound cake, which is killer. And uh, my older brother, who is not really thank you for the invite to lunch, Kevin. (laughs) He has learned to make that caramel pie that you boil the uh, condensed milk. It's really interesting because he said the first time he did it, it just pure sugar. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah the, all, the best, all the best pies are. Yeah, you take that. It, well, it is interesting the way it becomes caramel, uh, but it's very tasty. And he said it's, it's easy to do, so that's his favorite uh, thing on the holiday. Caramel is it's cooked sugar. Well, I mean, yes, like, yes, again, that's it. It's burnt. Your it's point, burnt sugar. <laughs> it's lightly burnt. Lightly burnt. <laughs> and your point is, <laughs> yes. All right. Hey, we've got a personal finance question on the line. So let's say good morning to Gloria. Who calls in from Jackson? Gloria, you're on the air with us, so go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to know how your minimum required distribution is calculated. What is that amount, and what does it have to do with the amount that you have in your 401k or your taxes or your post-retirement income? How does that all work? Uh, I know that it's it's going to be done, uh, but I don't know how it's calculated. Yeah, so this is a great question, and we are getting here at the end of the year. So if you have an IRA and you are currently 73 and older, if you turn 70, I believe it's if you turn 73 this year. 72. So if it's, you turn, because, it, and, and I apologize for the confusion, because we are in a year where they just, the age adjusts it up. So, I, so I'm not sure if there's actually any new RMD people this year, required minimum distribution people this year. But at any rate, going forward, it's going to be the year you turn 73. Eventually, it's going to go up to the year you turn 75. You have to start withdrawing from your IRA because you've gotten this tax break all this time for putting money into your tax-deferred IRA, and now the IRS says you've got to start taking that out based on your lifetime. So I did pull up the distribution table, and the calculation is really simple. They say, what is the value of your account on the last day of the preceding year? So 
If it's 2023 and you're taking a required minimum distribution, the number you start with is what is your balance on the uh, December 31st, 2022. And then you divide it by a factor which is based on your age. It's essentially your life expectancy, but they do, the IRS maintains a separate table for it. So if you're age 72, that number is 27.4. If you're age uh, 73, it's 26.5. You see that number will just decrease. And that means that uh, the amount you take in required distributions will grow as you get older and it will grow as your account grows. Those are the two factors there. Um, this is income. It comes out of a deferred IRA. This counts as income. If you have some non-deductible money in your IRA, that's just a different matter. Talk to your CPA about it. But in general, this is income for you. So you're taking out of your 401k you mentioned. You're taking out of your IRA. There's a lot of different rules about it. You can aggregate this if you want to between the exact same account title. Um, if you roll over a 401k within the year, they will usually make you take your RMD before they roll it over. And so your RMD would have been satisfied. You, know, you don't have to worry about doing it again. Um, and just know that that number does change every year. Every year. Because that value changes. So last year when markets were down, a lot of the folks that we work with who were invested in stocks and bonds, the value of their account was down. So the amount they had to take out this year is smaller. And that amount gets added to all of your other income. If your pensions, Social Security, uh, dividends, capital gains, all of that to calculate what your tax rate will be. And and so that means you have to think about what kind of taxes am I going to have to pay on that? Often what we do for folks is we uh, estimate what the tax bill would be and we go ahead and withhold it. So wherever your account is, they should be calculating that number for you. They should be alerting you. And if you request some percentage, 10, 15, 20 percent taken out in taxes, they will go ahead and pay that to the IRS and then send you a form uh, at the end of January, which shows all of those numbers. Do you recommend withholding? Um, if you don't have the cash available and if you're, you know, you don't want that surprise, then go ahead and withhold. Most of the time we do that for folks. You know, I'm of the mindset of I'll deal with the IRS when I have to. But if you're concerned about being surprised with a big tax bill and as Ryder mentioned, as you age, that amount you have to take out gets larger. Um, and so that means you're going to have a bigger tax bill. And doesn't doesn't that tax bill decrease with age? I mean, your tax bracket. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. That is just what your taxes are. There are a few age-based tax benefits. You, um, at, I don't know, I believe sixty-five, you get a slightly higher uh, standard deduction, but you still have the same rates and brackets <laughs> as anyone else. And if that is increasing income then perhaps it will raise your raise the amount in your top bracket. Sometimes it doesn't. If you're on some fixed income in retirement and the brackets, the tax brackets increase uh, faster than your income does, then you won't necessarily you, you may actually have a decreased tax, but that's just, that is just such a unique thing to each individual. I would talk with your tax preparer if the if the taxes are a particularly sticky question. 
Thank y'all um, so much. I would, yes, ma'am, absolutely. Go ahead. What, you, uh, what Glo- else you got? Go ahead. Gloria, I would just say if mm-hmm. you have a question about whether you should take taxes or not, at least take out 10%. That's usually the the base amount that most people will do. Mm-hmm. Mm. It takes mm-hmm. a little okay. takes a little pain off All come right. come tax time. <laughs> and uh, have a have a have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. You too. Good good call, Gloria. Thank you for calling in this morning. This is Money Talks. We're looking for your personal finance question. You can email the show by sending it to money at mpbonline.org. So let me look at that uh, question from the other side, uh, as it were. Uh, When can you start taking money out of an IRA without any some sort of penalty? Fifty nine and a half. Okay. And uh, so understand that's if it's in an IRA account, an individual retirement account that is part of federal law, um, it still will be counted as income and added to everything else. And we don't know what that tax bracket will be. If you take it out before then, you're going to have a 10 percent penalty. One caution is that there are a lot of people who might be retiring early before 59 and a half. And if they have an employer retirement plan, many of those plans allow you to take out money at 55 or before you hit the 59 and a half if you are no longer working for them. So be careful with that. If you have some needs, you may not want to roll that money to an IRA because you're going to be under new regulations with the 59 and a half and may be stuck with a few years when you can't access it. There are some ways to access it. There's a bunch of ways but, to access you know, it. Just but... be cautious. Talk to an advisor. Talk to your CPA. Um. So you don't have to be retired at 59 and a half to take money out. Exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. You just have to be an IRA owner. All right. And that's 59 <laughs> and, and a half years and, old. And, and needing the money. <laughs> so before we go to our next break, uh, Abram's got something for us, I think. Yeah. So you're saying that like you can pay into your IRA and take out of the IRA at the same time? Is that what you're saying? Like if you're not retired yet, you're still paying into the IRA? Uh, we, sure. Yeah. I mean, yes, you, you can. But, you know, the question is, are you putting money into that IRA account because you're trying to get a tax break and then you turn around and take out the same amount and now it's income? It's kind of a wash. Yeah. And you can. Now, so one place you might want to do that is if you are taking required minimum distributions. I'm I'm fairly certain they have uh, they used to be an age cap on how. Uh, how old you could be, so essentially to prevent you from having required distributions and setting money aside in your IRA. Now you can do both, but you can't net them against each other. You have to do both. So say your required distribution is $1,000 and you want to put in $1,000, you can't just be like, well, we're good. You have to take out $1,000 and then you have to put in $1,000. So uh, it is it is a little weird, but that is just kind of a newer development. That's why it looks funny. And know that the ability to put money into an IRA is related to your earnings. So you need to have earnings or have a spouse that has earnings that you're um, declaring together on a tax return that allows you to put money into that IRA account. We're pleased you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We've got uh, two callers on the line. We might have to postpone our discussion on holiday spending limits uh, because we always like your personal finance questions first. So let's begin again on the phone lines. Off to Yazoo City we go. Anthony is on the line. Good morning, Anthony. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for taking my call. Uh, Just one question. I'm about five uh, years out from retirement, and I wanted to know what are some things to look for, questions to ask when choosing a financial planner or advisor? 
Well, one of the first uh, questions you should ask is, how are you paid? That's a very important thing for you to understand. And uh, we are fee-only advisors. That means we only charge a fee. We typically do that based on how much we are managing, a percentage of the assets. Um, You can be fee-only. We do this as well by charging by the hour. Fee-based, you will have some advisors out there who do fees as well as some commission products, and then they're commission-only advisors. After that, you really need to make sure that you are comfortable with that person because you're uh, sharing intimate details about your financial life, and you want to make sure that person, uh, you can trust that person, and also that they are uh, have some expertise. Look for their credentials. You can go to FINRA.org and plug in their information to see if there have been any complaints or flags on that person. That's an important thing to look for. Talk to other people. You know, most of our business comes because someone has talked to a family member or a friend and gotten a recommendation and they come to see us. And don't be afraid just to schedule a look-see meeting. Just come in and not be charged just to sit down and do a brief interview. Talk to that person. Ask those questions about how they're paid, what their investment philosophy is, what they will provide for you, how their system works, and just see if it's a good fit. I was going to uh, add on to that the kind of what services so what all they provide but what all things can they help you with there are some people who are just going to manage the portfolio maybe say hey sure you called out this that or the other I can help you out but do they have a dedicated they do they have a process for helping you out when you're when you're looking at what what Medicare plan should I be on or, or just making sure I'm on the right uh, track there uh, what social security what's my What's my strategy with Social Security? Uh, how does that balance out with my portfolio? How do we handle large, unexpected cash needs? When you look at my whole portfolio, where does that money, where does the next dollar come from? Uh, charitable giving is a big one. We were just talking about required distributions. That can be a, a big way to save once you start doing those. Um, but but just to add on to the what is your investment philosophy, a lot of times people get hung up on asking, what's your performance like? And I just want to, that's, that's a really tough question to get a good answer to. And it's a really tough question to get uh, the right context on. Because if I tell somebody this year that, oh, there's a stock that's up 20%, well, that's perfectly normal and that's fine. It sounds astounding from any normal year. Uh, so if you had a number anchored in your mind, you know, someone could really surprise you up or down there. Uh, better to understand what is their approach on stocks, what is their discipline there, and how do they think that translates to your benefit over the long term. Um, Anthony, I'd also say to you, you mentioned your five years out. Uh, this is a good time for you to really look at what your income needs will be in retirement and start looking at your budget, your expenses. Really think about how much do you bring need to bring in every month in order to be comfortable. Where will that money come from? Uh, get your Social Security records. If you have a spouse, get that person's Social Security records. Uh, if you have pensions, put all of that together and start to think about what where that money will come from, what your needs will be, what will your life 
lifestyle be in retirement? And that's often what we ask people when they come in. The first thing, what, how much do you need and what does retirement mm-hmm. look like for you? What are you planning on doing? What's important to you? And then that gives you some guidelines about how much money you need to have accumulated to support any gap in those income needs. And Anthony, I think this is great. I really applaud you for reaching out at this point in your retirement. Um, as a financial planner, I love having a, a longer runway to help getting get someone ready. Uh, five years out, there's there's enough time for you to, if you do need to make a, a, a major or a, a smaller change in your current lifestyle, you can. If you do need to make a change in your expectations, you still have enough time. Uh, so that's really good to think about that. Uh, uh, the earlier, the better. Um, we love that. I, I would that prefer 25 years old. Yeah, <laughs> yes. sure. Yes. You know, the law lo- again, the, the more time, the better, the more time, the better. But, um, but five years out, you've probably, you know, by calling in, I know you've probably done some things right. I hope you've been listening for however long this show has been going on and doing, doing some things right. So you probably, you know, maybe you're in pretty good shape, but maybe there's a couple things you need to do and having that runway, that's going to be a real big help. All right, uh, Anthony, thanks for your call this morning. And uh, Nancy, the organization FINRA, so that's F-I-N-R-A. Oh, what does that stand for? Financial, Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Um, they are for, for us. They are the repositories for all of our regulatory filing. They are not actually our primary regulator. But they do a lot of regulation, especially with brokers. Uh, so if you have a commission they're, base, it'll yeah, be through they're that. actually a, a self-regulated body. But as Ryder mentioned, all of our documents get posted there. Any complaints, we're under the Securities and Exchange Commission. But you can look up any advisor, any registered investment advisor, any broker through something called Broker Check and see if there have been any complaints. And you can read the complaint. All right, got three minutes left, I think, so that's enough time for Greg's call. Greg calls us from Biloxi. Good morning, Greg. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. Uh, I, had a, I need some clarification on the RMDs. Uh, my wife and I both have uh, IRAs, and I have a 401K. Uh, you said that one of us has to be employed if we wanted to put some of the money back in the um, IRA. If we don't need the money, uh, we can't just turn it back in? No. No, you have to go ahead and take out that required minimum distribution, which we mentioned earlier, is a calculation. Now, are you still working? Is are you or your? No, you're not working. You're not working. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be earned income. The rules for how you put money in haven't changed. Um, so for a 401k, obviously, you need to be with an employer who has a 401k uh, and is putting it off your paycheck. But correct, an IRA needs earned income. And so that's that's not just just because you got, you know, say, Social Security or a pension and RMDs. Yes, that's taxable income, but that is not the same as earned income, income from work. And what we often have with folks in your situation where you think, I I don't really need this money, you still have to take it and declare it as income and pay the taxes. And often then you can just turn around and put it into a regular taxable investment account, but it can't go back into the IRA. Like a Roth account or something like no, that. Not no, a not a Roth. Not a Roth. Again, you have to have earned income to put money into a Roth IRA as well. It can just go into an account just in your name or a joint account, but it cannot be a retirement account. I got it. Thank you. Okay. Now, how does the RMD work if I have um, an IRA and a 401k? Uh, do they do RMDs out of each? And, um, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. How do they 
You will have okay, those so separately, and they will be calculated separately for each account. If you have, say, two IRAs, they're both just, you know, <laughs> Greg's IRA at one place and Greg's IRA somewhere else, you can combine those RMDs and take it from one account. Uh, but if it is separate types of accounts, so IRA separate from a 401k, you've got to take those separately from their own accounts. And Ryder, isn't it generally true that the 401k calculation is higher than an IRA? That's what we've run into before, depending on how the 401k is structured and what its rules are under. All right, Greg, thanks for your call. So if you have a Roth IRA, you have an RMD, but there's no tax on it, I guess? No, 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 R- no R- RMDs on Roths. Okay. Very good. Oh, lots of rules. See, yeah, sorry. Lots it, of it, rules. I was, I was, I was in my back of my mind. I was hoping we would avoid talking about Roths today, so that, <laughs> that wouldn't come up and just like throw everything out the window. Well, but I, I guess it makes sense that the government's getting their tax money one way or the other. Exactly. That's correct. And and there's there are you know, everyone's always trying to outsmart the IRS, and um, you know the IRS has thought of a lot of things, which is why the tax code is so long. But again, one of the Last ways you can do it is those qualified charitable distributions. We love doing those for folks. That helps avoid that last bit of tax on your IRA. All righty. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.